Amen. Tonight, uh, and I think uh, that this these songs kind of, they talk about allowing God to, allowing us to bless the Lord with what we're doing. Lord, I bless you. I give you, I give you glory. And then also, Lord, take me and mold me and shape me into what I want to be. Those are the things that are going to be the most important things to you in this day that we're living in now. Because you have to determine, and I, I preached about this Sunday, and, and if you are here or joining us on Facebook, if you did not get to hear that message, I would challenge you to go back and listen to the message from Sunday. I preach courage to stand for Jesus. We must have the courage to stand for the Lord. And if we, if we praise Him, give Him place in our lives, and we ask Him, Lord, I want you to do with me what you want to do. And we do those things, and that causes us to be strong in our faith, which is what I want to talk about tonight, which is keep the faith. Keep the faith. It is a precious faith. It is a precious faith. And we have to make sure that we hold on to our faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to read this with me. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1 says this, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, I want you to say everybody. That was kind of weak. Say everybody. 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 That's everybody. The living and the dead. You can't get more inclusive than that. And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a young man in the Lord. He said, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine what doctrine is is biblical teaching based on the bible they will not put up with sound doctrine that means correct accurate bible teaching Instead, to suit to their own desires, they will gather around them a, num a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. But you, everybody say you. You. Now say, that's me. Me. That's, that's you. That's me. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Did you know that you're an evangelist? You are. You are an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. I want you to read I want to read this to you out of the message version. I don't use this version a lot, but I think it really grabs the attention here. Here's what the message version of this says. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder. Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone living and dead. 
He is about to break into the open with his rule, so proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit, just keep it simple. You're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but they will fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages, but you keep your eye on what you're doing. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive and do a thorough job as God's servant. You take over. I'm about to die. My life and offering on God's altar, this is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way, and all that's left now is the shouting, God's applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right, not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Keep the faith. The word keep means a con to continue on a specified course or to retain possession of. Keep. Continue on a specified course or retain possession of. So we're going to continue to do what we're doing and we're going to retain possession of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Keep the faith. The devil is doing his best to prevent you from keeping the faith. He will attempt to distract you from praying, from reading the word, from attending church, all of which will deepen your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will help you keep your faith. It will keep your faith strong. Any person that has been involved in athletic events will tell you, or it, it, it can be broader than that, it can be music, it can be any number of things. If you do not consistently undertake practice and rehearsal and over and over again preparedness, you will lose the ground that you have gained. That's why that, I, you know, I played the horn, I played it every day, uh, every just about every day of my life when I was in school, and I played it for probably two hours every day, and, uh, and as I got older, I didn't practice anymore. I wasn't really in a band. I, I played at church and we practiced some, maybe once a week. Um, as youth pastors, we took, uh, we took a group of youth to see Central Bible College group of students that came down. This young man got up there and he played the soprano saxophone, which I would love to play someday. And he played that and he was good. And one of our youth leaned over to me and says, Les, can you play as good as he does? <laughs> and I said, if I practice as much as he practices, then I could. Because I was first chair. I, I, I played lead alto in the jazz band. We went to competitions and, and we were, when I was in high school, we were second in the whole state of Oklahoma in our class. So we were, we were good musicians. And so I said, if I practiced... That's why when I was asked to play something last Easter, I was afraid to pick up my horn and try it because it had been literally months since I'd even opened the thing. So I dusted it off, took it home, and I spent time practicing, and I still don't think it was as good as it should have been. 
But nevertheless, you lose what you have if you don't use it. You must keep your faith. You must keep the things going that you know will make you strong in your faith because if you don't, you'll have spiritual flab and you will not have spiritual strength. I never thought about that till just now, but that's pretty good. When it seems like the average Christian has accepted most of the same things that the world does and their beliefs have been shaped by popular culture rather than the scriptures, then they are living and they are living in a politically correct methodology which comes less about faith in Christ and more about faith in mankind's ideology, then they have not kept the faith. When the adaptation leans more toward the world than it does toward the Word of God, then that person has compromised their faith and they are not keeping their faith. We must keep our faith because it is a precious faith. We must continue on the course of faith. We must grasp our faith and hold on to it. Keeping the faith in a climate of hostility, intolerance, and anti-God sentiment automatically opens you up for ridicule and typecast you into a, oh, well, you're one of them. The last time I checked in the Scriptures, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians 6.17, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. He's talking about unbelievers that, that those and those who worshipped idols. If you want to not be counted in the group of unbelievers and those who worship the things of the world, you've got to come out from among those things and stand firm in your faith. Church, we've got to keep the faith of God because the devil wants to do everything that he can to pull you in the direction of the world. He wants to get you to think ungodly thoughts. He wants you to go to ungodly places and he wants you to associate with ungodly people. All the while that this is going on, you're neglecting the word of God, you're neglecting your godly friendships, and you're neglecting your prayer closet. You'll never keep the faith in Jesus Christ with that kind of behavior. There are people that say, well, God's grace covers all of my behaviors. Yes, He does cover everything that you have done, but He instructs you to continue to walk in the way of righteousness, in the way of holiness, because without holiness, no man will see God. It doesn't mean you pray a prayer of salvation and then everything's all hunky-dory and you never have to do anything again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. In spite of the behavior of the world around us, which is appalling in some areas, and they choose to, and what they choose to engage in, we must keep the faith. I'm going to go through some of these verses. In verse 1, Paul gives this charge to Timothy, which also applies to us. It reminds us that someday, in the presence of God, that Christ Jesus will judge the living and the dead. That's what verse 1 says. He will judge us. We will all stand before God. Verse 2, he said, preach the word, be prepared in season, which means in those situations when you think that it's possible you could talk about the Lord, and even in those times when you, you're not even thinking about anything remotely close to the Bible, and it's boom, all of a sudden it comes up. 
You're not supposed to run from it. You're supposed to, in both situations, be ready to share the message. Be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it is the good news of Jesus Christ that has the power to minister and to heal those that are hurting. To deliver those that are bound up. And to set those captives free. Because that's what Jesus said He came to do. And now He lives through us to do the same thing in people's lives today. And if ever there's been a time that people need hope, and they need deliverance, and they need a, a, a friend, and they need love. It is today. Yes. We will face all kinds of situations, and the Word will prepare us for the occasions that will be called on to correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. How many of you have patience? Uh -oh. I'm raising my hand because I do. There's one right here. To some, it seems to come naturally. And to others, it's a struggle. I understand that. Um, sometimes, impatience comes greater when people know better and you get frustrated. But the Word of God says that when we Offer the Word of God as a way to counteract what's going on in their life that we're to do so with patience. We're to do so with careful instruction because it's not ever our desire to push someone away. We can only reach others if we present the gospel to them in this way with love and compassion of Christ in our hearts. Verse number 3 says, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. This is representative of the world that we live in today. The world has made this decision that anything that makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm just not going to put up with it. And I don't, I'm not only going to do that, but I'm going to broadcast it and I'm going to cancel you because you believe that way and I don't want to believe that way. I choose not to listen or give any credence to that matter. And I'm going to declare that, that in a threatening manner that your opinion really doesn't matter. In a world that preaches tolerance as long as it agrees with them. May I tell you that the world will never ever be tolerant of the Word of God, the whole Word of God. They'll be tolerant of parts of it. They'll be tolerant of some of it that talks about all the, 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 the good things and the things that they might agree with, but they never tolerate when it talks about sin. They never talk about, they never tolerate it when it talks about that there's going to be an accounting. They never tolerate it when it talks about hell. And hell is very real. And Jesus talked about it many times. I heard a preacher say one time, well, I would, I would, he said, I don't ever plan to, I, I never intend to preach about hell because I, it's a place that I don't intend to go. I'd rather preach about heaven. Let me tell you something. We got to know what the good is, and we've got to know what the bad is, we've got to know what this is, and we've got to know what that is. And then the decision is up to us. Don't ever give up when the world rejects you or when they don't agree with you. The world is not rejecting the messenger. The world is rejecting the message. And the message of the gospel. But I can assure you they will never forget the message. They won't. Because the Holy Spirit won't allow them to. Every time they run into an encounter that it will roll over in their mind. How do I know this? When I was far from God, I was working in a 
I was working in a restaurant and I was, my job was washing dishes and cleaning bathrooms and mopping floors and things like that. And I was in the bathroom one day and I was cleaning in the bathroom in the men's room. And there was a guy that came in and he just stopped dead in his tracks. And he said, I just want you to know that Jesus loves you. Now, I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time. And I felt conviction come all over me when he said that because I knew I wasn't walking where I was supposed to walk. But I have never forgotten that. And that happened when I was a teenager. Never forgotten it. Why is it that people reject the message of the gospel? People don't want to hear anything that's contrary to their sinful lifestyle. So in order to, you know, so in order to suit their own desires, they gather around them Teachers that have what they're itching, that to say what their itching ears want to hear. In other words, they only surround themselves with people who will affirm their sin and dismiss non-affirming messages and people. We all want to be affirmed. We love words of affirmation. I'm all about words of affirmation. I think it's a powerful thing. There's a book called the. The, uh, the five love languages and one of those is one of the five love languages is words of affirmation and Annette and I when I was, when I was in Bible school uh, that was a course that we went through together and my love language was words of affirmation and uh, I thought you know I, I didn't know that's what it was until I had really gone through there and studied it out but I tell you what when she comes and she just tells me, let me just tell you how special of a man you are. I'm like, man, that just lights me up. It makes me feel good from the top to the bottom. And hers at that time was acts of service. And so as I began to do things for her, extra things that maybe I wouldn't normally do, she would say, oh, I'm so glad and proud that you did that for me. And we just kind of complimented each other about that. And it was great. Still great. I'm all about words of affirmation. But affirmation of sin never should take place in a believer's life. Oh, well, I'll fill out a place. I'm not going to say anything. You may be the light that God is waiting on to brighten up in that darkness. It reminds me of the Emperor's New Clothes. How do you remember that fairy tale? The Emperor's New Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. It's a short tale, and I've got just a little, just a summation of the story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's probably about, if I were to read the whole thing, it's probably about eight or ten minutes long. But here's the gist of it. These two weavers who would weave clothing, they promised the Emperor a new suit of clothes that is invisible to those who are unfit for their positions or they're stupid or they're incompetent. That means that only the people that are smart, competent, and, uh, you know, they're fit for service, those are the only ones that can see the clothes. And so they would make the emperor these clothes. They had the looms going. They were weaving by hand these, these, these weavers' looms. And 
And the emperor looked in and he saw there's nothing on there, but he's not going to say a thing because, you know, he doesn't want to appear stupid or unfit or incompetent. And there they say, oh, this beautiful. Yes, it's beautiful. So the emperor, when they get done, they put these clothes on him, which is really air because they fooled the emperor. They're really not invisible, but he thinks they are. Only to the people who are in these bad plots in life. And so he goes in a parade before his subjects in his new clothes. No one wants to appear stupid or incompetent. And everyone's raving about the emperor's new clothes. Until a child cries out, but he isn't wearing anything at all. All this simply because no one wanted to say anything that would make them appear to stand out from everyone else. Nobody wants to be that person that doesn't fit in. But may I tell you that we will never fit into this world and this world's mold. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Verse 4, uh, he said, They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Turn aside to myths. What myths are you talking about? The myths and untruths concocted by man that will allow man to participate in so-called Christianity all the while validating their chosen lifestyle because how many know sin is a choice? Sin is a choice. Here are the myths. You may want to jot them down or you can... Go back and rewatch it, jot it down later. The myth that God is only a God of love and He doesn't ever condemn. While God is a God of love, He never condemns anyone. But He always condemns sin. He cannot and will not participate in a relationship with someone committed to a sinful lifestyle. That's just according to the Word of God. He won't. Here's another myth for you. The myth that all human beings are all God's children. All human beings are all God's children. I worked with a guy that believed that. We're just all God's children. If, we were, if all people were God's children, Christ's death on the cross would have never been necessary and there would be no place of torment called hell as a destination for anyone except the devil and his former angelic followers for whom it was prepared. Christ wouldn't have needed to die if everybody was just going to heaven. The myth that Christians must be tolerant of other beliefs. While Christians must be tolerant of others' attitudes, I, if, if you want to have any kind of a relationship with non-Christians, we must adopt the standards set for by the Word of God and not tolerate sin. It's very puzzling to me how those that preach intolerance themselves are intolerant to Christians who present mm -hmm. the truth of Jesus and that He's the only way. You must be tolerant. The myth that more morality and truth are relative and they're not absolute. What's truth for you is not necessarily truth for me. Baloney. 
There's a fancy Greek word for you. <laughs> Morality is relative to the only truth, which is Jesus Christ. It's convenient to believe that truth is variable depending on the situation. The Word of God doesn't operate on a curve. It's the same truth for everyone. There is one truth. Missionary fairy writer said it this way a number of years ago. I, I remember hearing her say this, and she said, in, in the context of, uh, she, ser she serves in Taiwan, and she's been there for 25, 30 years, something like that. Anyway, she said that many of the, in the predominantly a Buddhist country, and many of the Buddhists would adopt many of the beliefs of the Christians. And they adopt all the love things and, and all of that be good to people and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the truth of Jesus Christ is the only way, they take exception to that. And if they want to remain Buddhist, they will say, oh, no, we're not going to believe that because Jesus is the only way. And Fairy Ryder said this. She said, truth excludes everything else that is false. You can't have your way to God and I can't have my way to God. And if they're not through Jesus and I believe it's Jesus, then everybody else is wrong. Period. If it's not Jesus, then it's wrong because there's one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ. There's one truth, and Jesus excludes everything else that is false. In light of all the, all the myths and untruths that we face, we must do as verse 5 indicates. And in the King James Version, it says, watch. It says, watch. Meaning, keep your head in all situations. Get ready and endure hardship. Do the work of an, evan of an evangelist. Discharge all your duties of the ministry. You've heard me talk about individual ministry before. When we do as the Word of God instructs us to do, we may have to face hardship. We may have to endure some uncomfortable things. But it's nothing compared to what Jesus went through when He was on the cross. He endured the maximum that anyone could endure. And we won't Witness for the Lord because it makes us feel uncomfortable? Come on. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the one that saved us from our sin. I would risk being uncomfortable for the King of kings and Lord of lords in light of His sacrifice. We must go ahead like an evangelist would and share the gospel, discharge all the duties. We must do everything in the ministry that God has told us to do. Well, Pastor, he hadn't told me to do anything yet. Then you need to seek him more and more and more. And he will tell you what you're supposed to do. Now, he may not tell you everything that you're supposed to do. How many know? If you've, I won't ask you to show your hands, but if you have an active prayer life and you are used to listening to God and you know his voice and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt when he places something in your spirit, then you know it's him. I had one of those moments the other day. And I was just so blown away. I was praying, you know, praying the, for the daily focus and then just praying and worshiping the Lord, walking through the house. And I was in the kitchen about ready to have breakfast. And now my typical breakfast is a couple of boiled eggs. And I'm, 
I'm standing there and just kind of in that spirit of prayer. And the Lord just dropped two things in my spirit. Not related to each other, at least. I, didn't, I don't think they're related to each other. But two things specifically that he wants me to do. And I thought, whoa. Things that I have prayed about before. Long time before. I wasn't praying for them now. Hadn't prayed for them in a while. But I prayed for them before. And the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. One, two, just like that. And that just hit me so strongly. And uh, I was dying to tell Annette. But I didn't want to tell her on the phone. Because we talk to each other during the day. When she's not at work, I call her. Every break that I get, I call her. Every lunch break I get, I call her. So I call her or text her at least three times a day while I'm at work. Have done for years, probably decades. But this was something that was so special, I wasn't going to tell her over the phone. And we ate dinner that night, and I, I said, let me tell you what happened. And she just automatically said, she, on one thing she says, I knew you needed to do that. And um, she probably told me, and she said she told me that a long time ago, but... I know the timing is right now because he told me. And uh, and on the other thing she says, well, I think that would be great and this is why. And she just went on and we talked about it and we talked about it. And uh, it's so new that I can't really share it right now, but it is it is it is something that we'll we'll talk about. Don't ever give up. Keep the faith. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus, when we stand before him. In verse 6, Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is at hand. Paul would remember how the drink offerings were poured out in the sacrifices as recorded in Numbers 28. Each of the sacrifices were completed by pouring wine as a drink offering to the Lord. He was reflecting on his life, his whole life and the totality of his life as a sacrifice to God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that his life was just like that wine poured on the sacrifices, the final thing. And he says, I'm being poured out to the Lord. His departure from this earthly life was at hand. He was looking back, yet he was looking forward. Our lives, church, are passing by so quickly. Just like the drink offering being poured out. You know, will we be able to say as Paul did that we that our lives are being poured out for Jesus? What are you pouring out your life for? Are you pouring it out for Jesus? And, and, and with every ounce of energy, you say, Lord, I'm just going to pour out my life for you because you're the only one that make, makes a difference in my life <coughs> with my relationship with God. For all we know, our departure may be closer than we think. There are people... That just like this, Darlene, that could have happened with you the other day. Thank the Lord you're still here. But in a moment like that, it happens so quickly. And then before you know it, it could be over. And we're standing before and in the presence of God. 
My former pastor, Marcus Alexander, said it this way. He said, yesterday, yesterday is in the tomb of time. Tomorrow is in the womb of time. Today is all that you really have. Have we accomplished everything that we wanted to accomplish? I want you to think about this. Everybody thinks about 2020 and about how incredible of a year it was. Incredible in the not best sense <laughs> for a lot of things. But yet it was incredible for a lot of things. There were a lot of things that happened in 2020. I believe that the devil stirred a sleeping giant in the church. I believe that the people of God realized how precious their faith really is. And if you can't come to church anymore, it's one thing to choose not to come, and there are many that do. But it's one thing when you can't come. I never felt so helpless as I did during that period. I felt helpless when we were dealing with COVID in December and I had to watch <laughs> church online knowing that I can't leave my house unless I go somewhere in my car and not get out of my car and come back home. And we did that a few times. But our lives are, you know, have we done everything we wanted to do for the Lord? And here's a shocker for you. 2021 is about over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 2021 is about gone. As the months of the calendar keep going by, it won't be long till this year will be just a distant memory should the Lord hold off on His return. We may not even personally see the rest of this year. We may not see the next year. We don't really know. We must do right now what we must do is each and every day is keep the faith in Jesus Christ. Just like Paul write, writes in verse 7, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. At all costs, church, keep the faith. Don't ever give up. Don't ever throw in the towel. Don't let the myths of this world worm their way into your mind while they were seek to gain acceptance. Keep up the faith. It is a precious faith. And verse 8 continues, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteous, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. <coughs> Jesus, you're coming very soon. And I look forward to you with great anticipation. I don't dread. I don't dread Jesus coming back. I'm eager and anxious for Him to come back. I want Him to come back. I, yes, I want souls to be saved, but I have a passion to see the Lord Jesus come again. And if He doesn't come today, I'm still looking for Him until tomorrow. And if He doesn't come today, I'll look for Him tomorrow. For all of us who long for His appearing, it will be worth it to keep the faith. And I want to close with this verse in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly. That means take hold 
of the reins of your faith, the wheel, if you will, the wheel of your faith that keeps you on the straight and narrow. Don't go to the left, don't go to the right, but hold on with everything that you've got to the hope that we profess, and that hope is Jesus Christ. For He who promised is faithful. He is faithful. There will never be another one so faithful as He. That means He's there in every situation. David put it this way, I can go to the deepest depths of whatever hell that I might be in and you're there. I can go to the highest heights and you're there. I can go anywhere in between and Lord, you are there. He is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. We're supposed to encourage each other to love. That person doesn't deserve love. Look at the mess they've made in their life. Yes, they deserve love because God never stops loving. Regardless of what anyone has done, He never stops loving. His love is unconditional. It is always there. And we're supposed to help each other, spur each other on, and encourage each other to love that individual. Even if they don't love back. Even if they hate back. Love them anyway. And spur each other on toward good deeds. That's action, church. And here it wraps it up. And not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Can you imagine that some people have stopped going to church? Even before COVID, they stopped going to church. Because they just think, I can be a Christian and not go to church. I suppose it's possible. I know it's possible. But it's very difficult. What influence are you going to have in your life if you never associate with God's people? It's like you're an island somewhere. Well, I got hurt in church. Some, somebody said something to me. Hurt my feelings. Get over it. Get over it. They're not God. They're not Jesus Christ. They're not the ones that you have the relationship. The one you have the relationship with with Jesus Christ. I will have to say that as we've been your pastors for 15 years and I've heard some stories in other churches and the difficulties and the situations I've personally seen some of them before in other churches we've attended where there were some real rascals that were present. I hate conflict. But I absolutely won't run away from it. If somebody come, comes to me and they says, they say, Pastor, this has happened and it shouldn't have happened. We'll talk about it scripturally. If somebody does something to you, you're supposed to go back to them and say, this hurt that's what you're supposed to do. That's what the Bible says to do. The problem is many people don't want to do that. It's uncomfortable. But you're supposed to do it. And we encourage you to do that. We taught that in the membership class. You do that. You go to that person. It's the word of God. It can't be wrong. Now if that person won't listen to you, then there's a problem. Then you need somebody else. And the word of God says take somebody else with you. And if they still won't listen, then you take the whole church. And if this person still professes to be a Christian and, and that person has done wrong and they won't repent, what does the Word of God say? 
it says they're not supposed to be here. That's what it says. That's the word of God. It's not my words. It's what the word of you look it up. It's what the word of God says. If you're going to act like a Christian and you're going to go around hurting people, you don't belong in the house of God. Amen. You belong someplace else and not in this house. I don't know how come you didn't get off on this, but I, I just feel like somebody needs to hear this. I've said this before. You've got to have thick skin to be a Christian. You can't have thin skin. And the devil's going to do everything he can. If he's used words to attack you before, he's going to do it again. If he's gotten you down and depressed over something somebody else said to you, especially in a church setting, that's what he's going to try again. Well, what did they mean when they said that? There's some people, there's some people that are just ignorant. Of, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way. I'm just saying they're ignorant. They're unknowledgeable about how to speak in a way that doesn't offend people. Sometimes they say things in wrong ways. Sometimes they say things that can be misinterpreted. And it can be a great moment of teaching. If you know that when you say something a certain way and somebody says, well, you know, when you said that, it really sounded kind of bad. It sounded like this. And that person probably never even thought about that. Never intended it that way. And with a heart of repentance, they will say, I'm, I'm really sorry I never meant that and I'm not going to do that again. In spite of everything and every attack, you've got to keep the faith. It is a precious faith. Would you pray with me tonight? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for the reminder for us to keep the faith. In spite of every hardship, in spite of every persecution, in spite of life's trials. To keep the faith. First and foremost, Lord, we have to have the faith. We have to commit our lives to you, Jesus. We have to commit our lives to you. Because you're the author and finisher of our faith. We ask God that you would just... Turn our hearts toward you in this day and in this time right now. I thank you for it. I praise you for it. Lord, for all of those that are tuning in on Facebook right now, I pray, God, a special blessing upon them that, Lord, this word will go right to their heart and minister to them through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I believe that the word of God will find a lodging place there. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke and take authority over every sickness, over every disease, over every trouble, over every persecution. Lord, and I pray that the strong, the, 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 the faith will be made strong the belief in your word and the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus. Who they are in Christ Jesus. I thank you for it, Father. I thank you because you have given us life. You've given us the ability to stand strong and I thank you for it in this day because we must be about your business and we've got to resolve to be stronger than ever before. I thank you for it in Jesus' name.